Hello, everyone, and welcome to Professor Jamerson's podcast. This is season zero, episode two on the COVID disease. And I will be doing one podcast for all of my classes this week and then moving toward three separate podcast uh, seasons for each of my classes starting next week. So I know the music doesn't sound too good. It's not very high quality. It's actually coming from the vinyl uh, record player in my living room. And I want to kind of start with music from that device because I'm sitting in my living room and creating these podcasts and hoping to make them approximate and on some level the class experience. So please bear with me as I put all these together. I do hope everyone is doing well and staying safe and taking the situation as seriously as it needs to be taken. I think that most people are finally starting to get on board with all of this, but this has been my, my, my distancing experience. I've got the kids at home. We have not taken them back to daycare since we got back from our trip to Florida. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And I'm doing work on my classes at night. Uh, as I said in the intro, this is going to be for all of my classes, but starting next week, I'm going to have a podcast specific for intro sociology, one specifically for social theory, and one specifically for African-American studies. Uh, depending on how long this one takes to put together, I'm going to try to get them up towards the beginning of the week. But as I've noted in my updated syllabus syllabi, please, please, please don't worry about deadlines for the work in this course moving forward. I will make sure that you have plenty of time to get everything done. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Email me with questions. I'm trying to be as responsive as I can. Please note that I don't really get to email until like after 8 p.m. So I just wanted to um, go over a few things with this podcast. Um, please listen to it. It will directly inform my expectations in theory, for example, for your uh, all your written work from here on out. Uh, you will, In African-American studies and intro sociology, you will need to listen to this to get vital information on reading quizzes and the final exams, for example. So please listen to this. Please engage with the things that I talk about on this podcast in the discussion boards for each class. Uh, I've already started one this week for intro. After I complete the podcast tonight, I'm going to go ahead and open discussion boards for theory and African-American studies um, dealing with this week's topic. Let's see, do I need to cover anything else before I actually start talking about uh, this, our current social situation? I don't believe that I do, but every time that I'm putting this online material out, I'm sure that I'm leaving out details that you would like me to include. So please, once again, email me, keep in touch. I want to hear from you. I'm looking forward to reading your discussions, and we're going to all try to get through this together for the rest of the semester. All right. So today we are discussing the rapidly evolving, already disruptive, and deadly serious new coronavirus, and more specifically, the disease that causes COVID-19, 
This has been a global issue at least for two months. Before that, it was more of a Chinese issue, but it has only hit home for most Americans in about the past two weeks or so. And this is, and really think about how much your lives have changed in the past two weeks. And and, and I just want to, we're going to get into a little bit of that, but I want us to take a step back and think about sort of the social impacts and how do we think about sociologically speaking, the social impacts of the world around us right now. And I think, right, that, that we can think about research methods, perhaps. There, there might be two ways to look at this. One would be a qualitative way, and I'm about to share my story, right, to give us a qualitative example, my story of how my life has been disrupted with this. But then we can also think about this quantitatively, and that might actually be a better place to start, right? What What is the scale of this social issue that faces us right now? And I'm looking, I just Googled, right? COVID-19 cases. Right now we've got 422,966 cases of COVID-19 worldwide. We've got 18,900 deaths, approaching 20,000 deaths from COVID worldwide. And if you look at the growth rate of the disease, right, and this is what's really concerning to a lot of people. This is why you hear all this uh, language about flattening the curve, because the problem is that cases spread so quickly that medical systems become overwhelmed. And I'm sure you've heard about this. So for an example, total cases between January 22nd and March 4th, we're all between 100, we're all under 100,000 in terms of total global cases between March 4th and March 16th. We moved from 100,000 cases to 200,000 cases. So the total number of cases worldwide doubled in a week. We also see a very similar line on this linear scale with death rates, for example. Total deaths from COVID did not reach the 5,000 mark until March 10th, and they reached the 10,000 mark worldwide. They doubled in six days by March 16th. And so we can really think about why this needs to be taken so seriously. We'll talk about, I'm sure you've heard about uh, at-risk groups, right? The elderly and people with pre-existing medical conditions, especially with their lungs or their immune immune systems. So that's one way to think about this quantitatively, right? The number of cases, the way it spreads, right? Um, the, the kind of the social impacts on this large scale, the scale of a social issue, but, but qualitatively, right? The, the personal troubles, Right, most people, and I'm sure you've heard, will not get that sick, even if they get the virus. But that's not really the issue, right? The issue is that it's so easily spread, and the issue is also that the virus is new. So qualitatively, our experience with this has not been this notion of getting sick, for the most part. It's been this notion of social distancing. And so, right after y'all, well, speaking to my intro students, right, right after y'all took your midterm exam. Uh, the next day, I was in Florida, and I flew to Disney World, and it was still business as usual. Hundreds of thousands of people at these different theme parks and these dozens of hotels in the Orlando area. And, you know, I saw more 
hand sanitizer than maybe I normally would have. They had it at all the rides, for example. But didn't see a whole lot of masks, not a whole lot of gloves. And it's like, you know, I thought I was maybe taking a risk, but not that big of a risk. Well, as it turns out, there was COVID in the parks at the time I was there. A 34-year-old 36, a man from California had probably contracted it in Los Angeles, flew to Orlando, and then came home and started feeling sick. And he has since died from the disease. And, and, and so I knew that we were taking a risk. And so as soon as we got home from Disney World, uh, we decided to start social distancing and, and doing pretty extreme isolation measures immediately after we got home. Because our, our fears at first were, well, we don't want to get sick and be spreading it. And so we were isolating ourselves as kind of like a quarantine to make sure that we didn't have it. But in the five days that we stayed home to make sure that none of us showed symptoms, uh, the whole uh, disease spread quantitatively throughout the United States. And, and it was actually when I was flying home that we got the email about going remote for Virginia Tech classes and advising students not to come back to Blacksburg. And so I've been in isolation with my family since the very beginning of our original spring break. And it's been like that since. And so once again, thinking about ways to think about this quantitatively, the scale, the, the, the number of cases, uh, who is dying, who is not getting sick, these sorts of things. And, and the qualitative experience of it, this, this sense of isolation, we're really going against human nature in many ways, as Marx would say, for example, by isolating ourselves from each other, we we need social contact. We we crave social contact, and so this has become a challenge beyond just the virus itself for human society. Because this is happening all over the world. I saw a report a couple of days ago. Something like twenty percent of the world's population right now is living under lockdown conditions. And so thinking about this sociologically, really starting with this notion of uh, thinking about it qualitatively versus quantitatively, I think will be very helpful for us. So what is coronavirus? Well, our first reading by David Tomasi uh, gives us a very good overview of what we're dealing with right now. So coronavirus, first of all, it's a virus, which means that it needs a host body in order to replicate, right? If there's one thing that it does care about, right, thinking about this very abstractly, it's this need to replicate, and it's the replication within a host body. It cannot replicate without being in a host. So that's why it needs to spread and infect other people. Where we get sick is through the replication, which overwhelms the body's defenses against the spread of the virus in a particular biological system. And so when we talk about the difference between coronavirus and COVID, there are lots of different coronaviruses. COVID-19 is the disease caused by the most recently discovered coronavirus, right? And this is a big part of the picture here. This is new to people. And, and this presents challenges on two separate levels. One, the individual human body does not have a built-in immunity, has no prior experience with this pathogen, and second, our healthcare systems are not designed to deal with something new like this, and we have not developed proper protocols for containment, prevention, 
and treatment as of now, even though science is on it and there are lots of medical researchers, not to mention the healthcare workers on the ground that are figuring this out at great risk to themselves on the fly. And so um, this first section, right, just kind of talks about what the virus is. Just a couple points to note. Uh, the first cases in Europe were traced to two Chinese tourists traveling to Italy. And then uh, the article here also mentions Austria as being sort of ahead of the curve in implementing social distancing procedures. But this was not happening in all parts of Austria, particularly in the tourist areas in the Alps where the ski resorts are. Um, I've read a recent article saying that a great number of the original cases of COVID attributed are found in Germany were attributed to one specific um, resort town in Austria. And so I just want to kind of highlight, right, these two episodes, these two spreading events um, have to do with tourism and travel. And this is why airlines are shutting down. This is why Disney World is closed right now. Um, and it's the fact that we get these people in these big groups and the virus is very contagious. It's easily spread. And I think one thing that we're starting to get a clearer picture now is how it can stay on surfaces. And so we have this need to sanitize our surfaces and make sure we're really careful about what we're touching. All right. In terms of discussion, right, the coronavirus is one of several kinds of different coronaviruses. These viruses occur in both animals and people. And what scientists now believe is that the novel coronavirus that causes COVID-19 jumped starting from bats to people with maybe a middle animal in between. Uh, the pangolin is mentioned here. That might make sense. The pangolin is one of the world's most heavily trafficked animals due to its high value in traditional medicinal practices in specifically East Asian countries such as China. So in terms of symptomatology, uh, once again, we've all heard that not many people get sick, but if you do get sick, what ends up happening in most cases is a very uh, fast-paced, very aggressive kind of pneumonia that causes respiratory distress and eventual lung failure. Um, and this is what's leading to the, the high fatality rate of the disease. It is much more dangerous in terms of uh, your chances of dying from this than the flu. Um, we have a medical system set up to handle seasonal flu. We do not have it set up to handle this. This is why we're hearing all these talk about ventilator production and the need for medical supplies in the hardest hit areas of the U.S., such as New York. Safety, prevention, and sanitation. What to do about this? Uh, we start here with a list of tests, and I thought that this, I don't really know what these different tests do, but there are listed here like five different ways to test for coronavirus. This is a huge problem right now in controlling the spread of the virus is a lack of widespread testing supplies. Uh, that is going to be, if we want to think about social distancing and how long we're going to have to do it, we're going to have to do it as long as we don't have tests, as long as we don't know where and to whom the virus is spreading to. In lieu of that, right, we do have to practice these social distancing measures to prevent further spread. Uh, it is passed through respiratory droplets, either direct contact or, as I said, 
um, indirect contact through being on like surfaces that you then touch. What else here? When to use a mask, according to the Italian government, the World Health Organization and the Centers for Disease Control, the use of masks is only recommended if the affected individual is coughing or sneezing or when one is taking care of someone with a suspected infection, um, rather than focus on maybe getting a mask or trying to wear one of those. See if you can find gloves to wear that you can wash off after using them. I think gloves are going to be a much more... Um, a much more effective preventive measure if you do need to move around outside. And then finally, right, focusing on damage reduction. And this is a quote from the article. Focusing on damaging on damage reduction is, is, is essential as it provides support in terms of time per patient to healthcare systems around the world, as well as the time for the research toward the development of a vaccine and treatment strategies. In other words, by isolating ourselves, we're buying ourselves time so that we can get back to something resembling our past normal lives as soon as we can. So we are sacrificing, right, economically, socially, uh, educationally. This is not as good as being in a classroom. But we need to do this to buy ourselves time to get this under control. This is one of the main points the, the article makes. So epidemiological analysis, the next chapter, the next section in this reading. Um, when we think of epidemiology, epidemiology is essentially the intersection of sociology and medicine. Epidemiology focuses on infectious diseases, how they spread, how illness affects human populations, and what we can do to treat these maladies. Based on current scientific evidence on coronaviruses, we know that the transmission of this virus from asymptomatic cases is very rare. It is still possible. And so um, we think about this, this doctor in China, this whistleblowing doctor, who was 29 years old and in perfect health and died of the disease. It's because of the viral load that he incurred while treating patients. In other words, he got exposed to more of the virus than other people. So the the amount of the virus that you get exposed to matters in terms of how sick you can get and um i don't know if we have a lot of research on this yet but this seems to be a pattern that is emerging all right so i just wanted to go over a few of these points from the article by thomasy he does a nice job of talking about what COVID is uh, and how to control its spread and treat it i'll be moving next to this article by our Iranian Iranian authors really thinking about the larger social consequences of COVID-19. And we also have this reading by Sadati Lankarani and Lankarani, Risk Society, Global Vulnerability and Fragile Resistance, Sociological View on the Coronavirus Outbreak. And this, this article came out in on March 7th, and that was when I was still in Disney World, just to give you sort of a timeline. And they say here at the very beginning, uh, February 25th in Iran, there was 95 confirmed cases of COVID-19 and 15 fatalities. Um, at the time in the United States, there were less than 100 fatalities, um, but it was starting to spread, I believe, in the United States in, in late February. 
Now in Iran, there are 18,400 cases and over 1,200 deaths. The United States is now at over 55,000 cases and close to 800 deaths. And so once again, what is the impact of this on society? And I believe the point the authors are trying to make here is what is this, this crisis telling us about the society that's affecting it? Remember, the coronavirus doesn't care about our jobs. It cares about replicating itself in a host. And so we have to adjust to it in many ways. And, and, and uh, we don't want to make it seem as if coronaviruses can somehow be bent to do our bidding or, or to our will. And, and I think this is kind of what the point they're trying to make is we, we live in a risk society. We take risks every day. Driving to work is, is risky, right? You can get into an accident. It is less safe than not driving. But you have to, right? We talk about these things that we have to do, right? Our, 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 the, the way our agency is affected by social structure. What made this outbreak different according to the authors, is the worldwide sense of fragility of human biological life and their demand for sterile society, safe from any hazards. The dream of sterile society is basically founded in human demand for eternity. And I wonder, I've just been trying to wrestle kind of with this statement, and, and I believe this statement is getting to this point where we've really got to take a look at human society in addition to the virus itself, if we want to come out of this uh, in in any kind of a positive way, if we want to come out of this without losing millions of lives, for example, this is a very real possibility right now in the United States alone, not to mention the world. Um, Iran is one of the first countries in the global South to be really affected by the coronavirus. And, and I did kind of talk about this in, uh, in the discussion board and in my email to my intro students. But at this point, and I think one of the reasons why it, it is getting so much attention is because it is right now a global North issue. And right now the virus is spreading uncontrollably in the countries in the world that supposedly have the world's best healthcare systems. So what happens when coronavirus starts moving to countries that don't have highly advanced healthcare systems, where instead of 3,000 hospital beds per 1 million people, we're talking about three hospital beds per 1 million people. And so this is going to become a developing story, right? The worldwide spread of this disease and thinking back to the example of the tourists, right? To what extent is globalization, right? The global North, we have travelers moving around. We have lots of examples of politicians, of professional athletes, of what uh, some scholars call the transnational capitalist class. These are the primary international spreaders, it seems, of this disease. And so what does this crisis tell us about our priorities as a society? Uh, I think our, our authors here are talking about, you know, we take risks without really thinking about what the unintended consequences of these risks might be. This notion of uh, Uruk Beck and reflexive modernization. 
And they go on to conclude that we should start a new biological and social dialogue with the environment, including the world of viruses. Uh, we can't just kind of sweep this under the rug. It needs to be confronted. It needs to be taken seriously and not seen as a distraction from these the, 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 the economic part of it, right? The not being able to work part of it. Yeah, these are all terrible outcomes and, and very serious. But once again, COVID doesn't care about that. And so I think this is the point, right, that the authors are sort of making in this reading. So to conclude my podcast for this evening, I want to go back to our readings on the Nasarima and the sociological imagination and think about how we could analyze the COVID crisis through these readings. With the Nasarima, I think one thing that, that, that immediately stands out is its focus on bodily hygiene uh, and how backstage it is. But now hygiene is not so much backstage, is it? It's We're expected to... Um, be very public in many ways about the fact that we're protecting ourselves, right? Wearing a mask, even though it may not do much in terms of preventing you from getting the virus, it lets other people know that you are serious about it. The same with wearing gloves. And this will make people perhaps more comfortable standing, I don't know, six feet away from you. But beyond this notion of the the, the topical aspects of the Nasarima, remember the sort of mental tool this article provides us, this ability to find the strange and the familiar. And if we think about now COVID creating what we might call a new normal in society in many ways, how can we think about the new normal? We can think about the new normal as when the strange becomes the familiar. It's a, it's a transformative process and there will be challenges associated with this. So moving from there on to the sociological imagination, once again, C. Wright Mill starts this, this sociological imagination, excuse me, with this notion that we feel trapped. And I can't think of a better analogy to start thinking about the, these qualitative aspects, the, the social distancing and the isolation, right? We've, we're trapped in our homes right now. Or it feels that way. And so how do we escape? How do we escape this sense of feeling trapped? And I'm not just talking about feeling trapped in our homes, but feeling trapped um, by the historical events that seem to be beyond our ability to control in any significant way. How can we use Mill's ideas to escape feeling trapped in this specific situation? And so I'll offer you uh, three points about this here, knowing that by staying home, you're part of the solution. Your and our actions right now, the things that we are doing right now will be judged by history, right? There are going to be books written about this. There's going to be movies done about this, right? This is, we, we are living through a very significant historical moment right now and C. Wright Mills can help us process this but knowing that by staying home, you're being part of the solution. Number two, we may not know what's coming next. We do know that the disease is going to get worse before it gets better, but we can use Mills to intelligently think about it and beyond the realm of our individual worlds. Right now, there seems to be two camps in the United States. For example, one wants to go business as usual, 
we need to get the economy back up and running, and, and the other is, no, we need to quarantine ourselves even more. We need to find a middle road. We need to find a middle road, and I think using the sociological imagination can help us with this. Three, understanding how all of our current personal troubles are tied to a common social issue. And there will be inequality, new forms of inequality resulting from this crisis. But, and this is something that, that I'm reading the news, I'm looking at, at compendiums of social media, I'm looking at memes. Uh, this notion that we are all connected yet isolated, right? Thinking about Sherry Turkle, this notion that we're alone together. Uh, I think the sociological imagination and C. Wright Mills rereading this can help us process all of these different aspects of the current crisis. I'm about running out of time. Thank you for your attention and patience with me. Please let me know if you have any questions about the podcast. I will uh, send you sort of a review, just kind of letting you know uh, what kind of takeaways I'd like you to keep most in mind. Please be on the lookout for announcements and discussion boards opening up in theory and African-American studies. Thank you all. Stay safe. And I will, uh, you'll hear from me next week. Thanks. Bye.